Thank you, Joe. There's not too many people that can say that they led prayer in a church with an inflatable pink flamingo over them. <laughs> Sometimes you just have to laugh about the whole thing, but uh, it's uh, this facility is, is given to us by the Lord, that's for sure. And you'll find out that the people serving us later today are uh, are true servants to us, the church. So that's a, that's a beautiful thing. Um, for those of you that are guests in here, we've worked our way through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We did it chronologically, and then we followed, we're following up with Acts. We made our way through Acts chapter 14, when basically Paul, who was not one of the original 12 disciples, but literally had a... Uh, salvation experience unlike any any other person and we'll talk a little bit about that this morning uh became one of the main apostles those that had walked with jesus and and were able to testify about his ministry and about his saving grace he basically went with barnabas john mark first missionary journey, went up through Galatia and established four or five churches up there, and he told them about the grace of God, simply about the grace of God, versus his life before his conversion, which was all about the law. Paul knew everything about the law. He knew the law. He he literally had the law that God had given them in Exodus and Leviticus, and he even knew the oral law that most of the Pharisees added to God's word. He knew the law. He had a salvation experience, and he was freed from that law, and he understood grace. And this is what he taught to the churches. In the meantime, back in Jerusalem the Jews are still not wanting to give up their tradition. And if they, if they took the time to write a letter to the churches in Galatia after Paul went and actually had them established based upon grace, I think this is what the letter would sound like. Dear brothers of Galatia, we greet you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have heard how through the ministry of Brother Paul, you have been converted from the worship of dumb idols to serve the true and living God of Israel. We are glad you have made such a good beginning, but we're afraid that there are some very important things about the gospel Paul has admitted to tell you. We ourselves come from the church at Jerusalem, which is directed by the very apostles Jesus called and ordained. Paul, though he's an upstart, why he never even knew Jesus while he was on earth and was certainly never commissioned by him as an apostle. True, Paul did visit Jerusalem just after he stopped persecuting us. And there he learned the ABCs of the Christian faith from the true apostles. But the message he now preaches bears no resemblance to theirs. 
I don't imagine he even told you about circumcision. Why, this is the very way God has made it possible for you Gentiles to become a part of the new Israel. Jesus did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Circumcision is just as important as baptism. Nay, more important. For it will introduce you to a higher plane of Christian living. If you will observe this holy ordinance of the law, God will be pleased with you. We are just now forming a new association of law-observant churches, and we would love for Galatia to be represented. We are the true Christians. Jesus, our great example, pleased the Father by fulfilling the law, and so can you. <laughs> you hear that, right? Sounds great. Sounds like, hey, this, this is acceptable. They've got good intentions. Paul's kind of out there on his own, doing his own thing. He's the only one that's really teaching that. Barnabas with him, but this is coming from Jerusalem. This, this makes sense. Seems legit. If I'm Paul, I'm ticked. I'm upset. We talked about this last week because it would be like taking this group right here and teaching grace for however long and someone coming in here and saying, hey, grace is good, but there's also some law that you need to adhere to. I would, I would have a hard time with that. Let's just say that. I would be very upset. So now this whole letter that Paul has written to the churches of Galatia, that one I just read was fiction, but probably pretty close to what happened. This one I'm reading is from the Word of God, and it's written by Paul. We covered the first five verses where basically Paul expressed his anxiety about what was going on. Now, <clears throat> Paul moves on and he says in verse 6, I'm amazed that you are so quickly turning away from Him who called you by the grace of Christ and you're turning to a different gospel. When he says amazed, he says, I'm astonished, I am surprised, I am marveled that after all that we taught you, you're going to listen to these guys. That you're going to take what we have taught you and put it aside. The Galatian believers were not simply changing religions or changing churches, but they were actually pushing away the very God that Paul had taught them about. God had called them. God had saved them. Now they were deserting Him for human leadership. Paul is literally saying, you're going to follow these men rather than following the God that I taught you about. A man does not become merely a Christian by following a bunch of doctrines. It's about a relationship. 
he becomes a Christian by submitting to Christ. Submitting to Christ, and, and here's the hard part, trusting Christ. That's it. That's how you become a believer. You submit your life to Christ. You believe that He's the Son of God. You believe that He died on the cross, His blood was poured out, and that blood was an offering for your sins. Even though you weren't born, that all happened 2,000 years ago, His blood was a sacrifice for your sins. Your past sins, your present sins, and your future sins. He died one time. He's not getting up on the cross again and dying again for your future sins. He's only going to die one time, and He took care of all your sins for all time. Yeah. So, why would we add anything to that? Salvation is a gift of God's grace. Simply that. Purchased for us by Jesus Christ on the cross. To turn from grace to the law is really to desert the God who saved us. That's how crazy Paul is like about this whole thing. You, a God that showed His grace for us by sending His Son to die on the cross and you're going to abandon Him by trying to take on the law yourself and do it in your own strength? And I know what you're saying. Well, what about James chapter 2 when James says, faith without works is dead? <laughs> I, I get that. Listen to me. I get that. And it's my faith that causes me to do works. That's it. Works is a byproduct of my faith. What you see me doing right now, I've prepared, I've studied, I've put my notes together, I've done work. But it's all because of my faith. It's not because I chose to do work. It's because I believe God. I'm excited about God. And He's led me to these things. And the works, what you see happening right here, is a result of my faith. It's not that I have faith. Now I have to come up here and teach. Now I have to be a good Christian. Now I have responsibility to do this or that or this. It, it's not that. Faith, yeah, faith without works is dead. I totally agree with that. Because your faith will lead you to do some crazy things. It will cause you to live your life as an adventure. Paul says, verse 7, he says, not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want to distort. They're wanting to pervert they're wanting to totally reverse what we've taught, the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're wanting to pervert it. The term Judaizer. These are the, these are the Jews that are strong in their faith and their traditions that typically come out of Jerusalem. Paul insisted that a gospel of legalism which adds work to faith is not the same gospel that he's teaching which is grace alone. 
And now these Judaizers have literally left Jerusalem, gone to the churches in Galatia and said, everything that Paul's taught you, he's not a real apostle. He's not telling you the full truth. We want to tell you the full truth. They want to say, hey, you're not only saved by grace, but you have to do these works. You have to be circumcised. You have certain food restrictions. And you have to obey the law. (laughs) Paul, on the other hand, he's like, look, church, it's by grace and grace alone. We're not only saved by grace, but we live in grace. This is a big deal. You've got to hear this. The grace is Jesus came here and He died for our sins and He forgave us of our sins and He, by that and our belief, made us children of God. There's another side of grace that you don't always hear about. And that's our daily living. Grace gives us the ability to live out this Christian life on a daily basis. Like, I don't have to worry about the things that I'm doing. I just have to walk by the Spirit and let the Spirit do it in me. It's just as Joe was saying, there is a living God inside of me that wants to live my life for me. All I have to do is trust Him. And He'll do it. Then I look. You you ask the question, uh, so why wouldn't the evil one use, like, that letter that I wrote, that fictional letter, I didn't write it, but that fictional letter that I read, why wouldn't the evil one use something like that to distract the church? Why, why wouldn't the evil one use things that seem good and practical to the average human being to distract them from what the gospel actually says? Like, I've literally been to churches where they've baptized people saying, Okay, that we're representing that they've put their old life to death and now they have this new life in Christ. And immediately as they come out of the water, they have them take an oath to the church. They have a membership pledge that you pledge to do this, this, and this, and this. It's by grace you are saved, but to be a part of this church, you must do this. This is exactly what Paul is dealing with in the book of Galatians. He says in verse 8, now he's going to expose his adversaries. He says, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, a curse be on him. As we have said before, I now say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary, contrary to what you received, a curse beyond him. I had a text conversation with Sven yesterday. We were processing this whole 
What is this curse? Sven, I've come to the conclusion that that curse is actually eternal damnation. That there is another verse that Paul says, you know, if I could get my Jewish brothers to believe in Jesus Christ, I would give up my own salvation. What? Well, one, I think Paul knows that that's not going to happen. Like, w- once you believe in Jesus Christ, you're, you're solid. He can't, he can't change that. But literally what he's saying here is two things. One, I would give up my eternal salvation so that my brothers who are Jewish believers could see that Jesus is the Messiah. He says that. But here he's like saying, if anybody's going to add to this gospel of grace, including myself, he says, as we or an angel or anyone else preach a different gospel, may they be cursed, an eternal curse of they lose their salvation. Again, I believe in the security of the believer. I believe that Paul, look, I'm up here and sometimes I mess up. Sometimes, sometimes I may say something that doesn't line up. It's your responsibility as believers to go to the Word and see if what I'm saying is true. <laughs> I, I've said it before, I'll say it again. Don't believe anything that I'm saying up here. Go back to your Bible and see if what I'm telling you is true. That's your deal. You figure this out. I'm not any better. I have the same spirit in me that you have in you. The same one. We're the same. And so literally, Paul is sitting here saying, if there's somebody else that's teaching a different gospel, may they lose their salvation. The question you ask now is like, well, how how do you know if you're hearing a different gospel? How do you know? Wouldn't that be great if there was a litmus test there? I will say this. Grace always leads to peace. Paul talks about that throughout the Scripture. But the believers here had deserted grace and therefore had no peace in their hearts. Why why do I say that the gospel leads to grace? Because if what Joe said is true, if there's a living God inside of me, Galatians says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. If the Spirit lives in me, it's not me producing it, it's the Spirit producing it. But He's producing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control in me. The peace is there. The grace will lead you to peace, but if you've got the works in there, it's going to trouble you. I believe that grace allows us to to live through suffering without complaining. Because that suffering is literally for God's glory.
when a Christian turns away from living by God's grace, he then has to depend on his own power, and that is only going to get you uh, disappointed. I I, I literally lived most of my Christian life trying to do it in my own strength. Because that's what I was taught. That's literally what I was taught. That, you know, here, here's what you do as a believer. And I tried and I tried and I tried. And, and no matter what happened, I could never get up to that mark. And then I came to understand, hey, it's grace alone. And it's grace on a daily basis. And every day I'm able to walk this Christian life with the holy living God inside of me and have victory. Have victory. (laughs) My team suffered defeat yesterday. It was terrible. But I'm literally able to walk this earth in total victory. I'm able to suffer without complaining. Verse 10, it says, For I am now trying to persuade people For am I now trying to persuade people or God? Or am I striving to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Paul's really being accused of easing up the requirements of being a Christian by saying, hey, come do it my way because you don't have to do anything. (laughs) When we started this thing, That's what I got accused of. Hey, you can go to Rusty's church and do whatever you want. Seriously, people said that. He's not concerned about sin up there. You can do whatever you want. You want to know something? That's absolutely the truth. That's absolutely... Look. I deal with sin, your your sin all the time. One, because there's a freedom in here, there's no condemnation in Christ. And so there's an ability to come in here and say, hey man, this is where I'm at, this is what's going on, all right? But watch this. I'm more interested in talking to you about Jesus than I am talking to you about your sin. If you can figure this Jesus thing out, I don't have to worry about your sin. I'm not worried about your sin anyway. That's not my issue. That's, that's the Lord's issue. And you know what he says? Uh, I dealt with that 2,000 years ago. <laughs> I, get, I get that you're still doing it. And because of the Spirit inside of you, you really don't want to do it. We still repent. We still repent. We still, what that is, is the spirit in us changing our mind about sin. And the only way that happens is growing closer to the Father. Understanding grace, walking in grace, living in grace. I promise you, if you try to focus on stopping your sins, you're going to fail. But if you put your focus on Jesus, allow Him, trust Him to do it, it will happen.
Trust Him. Verse 11 says this. It says, For I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel preached by me is not of human origin. He says, I want to make this perfectly clear to you. For I did not receive it from a human source, and I was not taught it, but it came by a revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul's enemies really pointed to his nonconformity here as a proof that his message and his ministry were not really of God. They're saying that Paul's sitting here saying, I didn't receive this gospel from men. They received the law from men. I received my gospel from God. It says in verse 13, For you have heard about my former way of life in Judaism. I intensely persecuted God's church and tried to destroy it. I advanced in Judaism because beyond many contemporaries among my people because I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my ancestors. Let me take you forward to Acts chapter 22 and give you Paul's testimony. I read this out of Acts chapter 22, verse 1. It says, Brothers and fathers, listen now to my defense before you. When they heard that he was addressing them in Aramaic, they became even quieter. He continued, I'm a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the law of our ancestors. I was zealous for God, just as all of you are today. I persecuted this way, this way referring to Jesus Christ, to the death, arresting and putting both men and women in jail, as both the high priest and the whole council of elders can testify about me. After I received letters from them to the brothers, I traveled to Damascus to arrest those who were there and bring them to Jerusalem to be punished. And here's his testimony. As I was traveling and approaching Damascus about noon, an intense light from heaven suddenly flashed around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I answered, Who are you, Lord? He said to me, I'm Jesus of Nazareth, the one you are persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light, but they did not hear the voice of the one who was speaking to me. I said, what should I do, Lord? The Lord told me, get up and go to Damascus, and there you will be told everything that you have been assigned to do. Since I couldn't see because of the brightness of the light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and went into Damascus. Someone named Ananias, a devout man according to the law, who had a good reputation with all the Jews living there, came and stood by me and said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. And in that very hour, I looked up and saw him. And he said, The God of our ancestors has appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear the words from his mouth since you will be a witness for him to all people of what you have seen and heard. And now, why are you delaying? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins calling on his name. He says, after I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, 
I fell into a trance and saw him telling me, hurry and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony about me. But I said, Lord, they know that in synagogue after synagogue, I had those who believed in you imprisoned and beaten. And when the blood of your witness, Stephen, was being shed, I stood there giving approval and guarding the clothes of those who killed him. He said to me, go because I will send you far away to the Gentiles. I read his testimony because the people in Galatia can't believe that a man that was so brutally cruel to Christians could know Jesus Christ. Who would ever believe that a hip-hop artist would come to know Jesus Christ? Huh. Closed on Sunday. Yeah, my Chick-fil-A. But the believers... There were skeptics out there, but the believers, they were all pretty stoked. Verse 15, it says, But when God, whom from my mother's womb set me apart and called me by His grace. All of this, because what He did here is He went back. Obviously, they're familiar with the prophets, especially Isaiah and Jeremiah. He's like, I was set apart from this in my womb. In Jeremiah 1.5 it says, I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. He's comparing his salvation experience, his calling by God to Jeremiah and also to Isaiah. Isaiah 49.1, The Lord called me before I was born. He named me while I was in my mother's womb. Paul's literally saying, the same thing that happened to Isaiah and Jeremiah happened to me. God called me in the womb. It says, He called me by His grace, was pleased to reveal His Son in me so that I could preach Him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with anyone. He says, what I've preached, I've experienced this myself. This is the true gospel. And any other is counterfeit. I didn't do it. God did it. God did it by grace. God did it through His Son. God did it for the sake of others. What can I do to convince you that this is not about me? Verse 17, he says, I did not go up to Jerusalem to those who had become apostles before me. Instead, I went to Arabia and came back to Damascus. Paul's offering support for his claim here that the apostles did not teach him the gospel in Jerusalem. He He went to Jerusalem, but he spent time there three years in Arabia. His revelation of the gospel came directly from Jesus Christ. Verse 18, then after three years, I did go up to Jerusalem to get to know Cephas. That's Peter, another name for Peter. And I stayed with him 15 days. 15 days. Peter and I talked about Jesus for 15 days. But I didn't see any other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. James became the leader of the church in Jerusalem. So the point of Paul's declaration is clear here. Everything I learned, I learned directly from Jesus. 
Mm, not them. Verse 20 says, I declare in the sight of God, I am not lying in what I write to you. What do I have to do? Acts 9, verse 26, when it says, When he arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him since they did not believe he was a disciple. Barnabas, however, took him and brought him to the apostles and explained to them how Saul had been, been had seen the Lord on the road and that the Lord had talked to him and how in Damascus he had spoken boldly in the name of Jesus. The disciples were afraid of Paul. Verse 21, he says, Afterward, I went to the regions of Syria and Cilicia. Now, I've showed you on those maps, Syria just lies north of Galilee, and it includes the cities of Antioch and Damascus. And Cilicia is that region, the west of Syria, that includes where Paul is from in Tarsus. So Acts 9, it says this, verse 28, Saul was coming and going with them in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He conversed and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the brothers found out, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Historians have concluded that he remained there for about seven years until Barnabas recruited him in Acts chapter 11. Now the last few verses. He says, I remain personally unknown to the Judean churches that are in Christ. They simply kept hearing, He who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith he once tried to destroy. The modern day Judaizers, like their ancient counterparts, they reject the authority of Paul. Even today. In Paul's message, they will add, it's the gospel plus Moses, plus the Ten Commandments. It, literally, in our day today, it's the gospel plus the number of religious leaders and the books that they write and the organizations that they belong to. You have to be a part of this. You have to read this. You can't be saved unless. It's that unless that usually causes them to say you need to join this group and obey these rules. If you dare to mention the gospel of grace as preached by Jesus and by Paul, and the other apostles, they might just say, yes, but God's given us a new revelation. How do you know when it's another gospel? In the last verse, and they glorified God because of me. This was the telling blow to the false teachers. The Jewish Christians in Judea rejoiced in the same gospel the Judaizers tried to undermine. Paul is teaching the gospel of grace and grace alone. 
If you think works is required, may the Lord free you up. You'll do works. Trust me, you'll do works. But it will be because of your faith, not because of your requirement. Father, I pray that uh, you would free this room up, that we can just love you, focus on you, learn about you, grow in you, and most of all, trust you. Let, Let us trust you. Let us trust you to live out our own lives in us. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.